Let's pray. Grant us courage, God, to offer all of who we are, trusting that your loving grace will make us whole. Hold me up, God, that I might lift you up. Amen. So we have talked for a month of Sundays now, literally, about how our lives are messy, about how spirituality is messy, about how we let so much get in the way of our pursuit of God. Our faults, our failures, our pasts, our critics, our inconsistent and incompetent attempts at spiritual living. We've spent time confronting the labels that we place on ourselves, the labels that others place on us. We've contemplated the brokenness out of which all of our doubts and fears emerge. And week after week, we have found in the Bible stories of Jesus showing up in the lives of people right in the middle of their worst messes and touching us, healing us, redeeming us. Y'all, God apparently does not give up on us. It actually gets a little bit annoying. I mean, no matter what we do or don't do, we just absolutely cannot shake this God. In the Psalms, Psalm 139 affirms this annoyingly persistent God that we have. It says, I can, I can um, go up to heaven and you are there. I can make my bed in Sheol and you are there. I can take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest reaches of the sea. And even there, you are there, God. It's amazing. I want to share this one final story with y'all. This is a story that I'm sure many of you are going to be familiar with, but I hope that you'll be able to hear it with fresh ears and open hearts. Hear now the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Matthew. God's kingdom is like an estate manager who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. They agreed on a wage of a dollar a day and they went to work. Later, about nine o'clock, the manager saw some other men hanging around the town square, unemployed. He told them to go to work in his vineyard and he would pay them a fair wage. They went. He did the same thing at noon and again at three o'clock. At five o'clock, he went back and found still others standing around. He said, why are you standing around all day doing nothing? They said, because no one hired us. He told them to go work in the vineyard too. When the day's work was over, the owner of the vineyard instructed his foreman, call the workers in and pay them their wages. Start with the last hired and then go on to the first. Those hired at five o'clock came up and were each given a dollar. When those who were hired first saw that, they assumed they would get far more. But they got the same, each of them, one dollar. 
Taking the dollar, they groused angrily to the manager. These last workers put in only one easy hour, and you just made them equal to us, who slaved all day long under a scorching sun. He replied to the one speaking for the rest, Friend, I haven't been unfair. We agreed on the wage of a dollar, didn't we? So take it and go. I decided to give to the one who came last the same as you. Can I do what I want with my own money? Are you going to get stingy because I'm generous? Here it is again, the great reversal. Many of the first ending up last and the last first. This is the word of God. So those workers who had been slaving away all day long in the blistering sun were highly annoyed, to say the least. I mean, what was the landowner thinking? Aren't there laws protecting workers against such abuse? I mean, obviously, we deserve to be paid much more than those who only showed up at the end of the day and barely put in an hour's worth of work after the sun had mostly set. I mean, they didn't even break a sweat. Obviously, we deserve to be paid more. Usually when we read this story, our focus is on those disgruntled workers who are so outraged because the landowner hasn't treated them fairly in, in their estimation. I, ha- I was in a Sunday school class once years ago, and we were talking about this topic, about the expansive and inclusive nature of God's grace. And there was a man in the class who was absolutely incensed at the idea of a deathbed conversion. It just made him crazy to think about someone on their deathbed confessing and receiving the same eternal reward that he felt like he had earned after a life of faithful living. Michael Iaconelli says in his book, there is nothing that makes Christians angrier than grace. God make them equal to us, right? It's annoying. But you know, then I got to thinking about the workers who were hired late in the day. And I also got to thinking about the character of the landowner, the one who hired them. I mean, you know, when you read the story, there's absolutely nothing in the story that would lead you to believe that the landowner actually needed more workers. In fact, the custom in that day was to go into the center of town very early in the day and hire all the workers you would need for that day, agree on a fair wage, and then get to work. I mean, if you missed that morning opportunity, too bad, so sad. Come back the next day. This landowner, though, he kept going back all day long, looking for workers who had missed that morning opportunity. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe they had refused the opportunity. Maybe they didn't like the deal that had been made. We don't really know what the circumstances were. I mean, they could have been there, ready to work, but maybe there were more workers than there was work. What we do know is that this landowner apparently has a propensity toward hiring everyone who needs work. And when asked why they were standing around at the end of the day doing nothing, the workers responded that it was because no one had hired them. Based on that, my guess is that their 
My guess is that they were there and ready to work in the morning. And maybe the landowner kept thinking that another landowner would come along who needed workers and would hire them. It's unclear, but apparently those details aren't what's most important because they're not in the story. What seems to be important and what the story does emphasize is the landowner. He is so persistent. He will absolutely not give up, even on those who remain in the very last hour of the day with no work to do. He seems determined that no one will miss out on what he has to offer them. And he's determined to give them all, to give to them all equally, no matter when they show up, no matter when they get to work, and no matter what they have to offer him. I can imagine that was highly annoying to those who had broken their backs all day long working in that vineyard. But what about the late workers? I served on a Kairos weekend a few years back. Kairos is a prison ministry that hosts weekend spiritual retreats for inmates. They go into the prisons. So I got to spend a weekend with 42 female prisoners at Lockhart. And now these were women who, for various reasons, and their stories were very diverse, some of them excruciatingly tragic, some of them not a whole lot different from yours or mine, but for whatever reason, they had missed out on the early hiring. By the time you end up in prison, it's very late in the day. But the landowner showed up that weekend. We've been talking for weeks now about how Jesus shows up right in the middle of our messes. Well, let me tell you, Jesus did not let those women down that weekend. By the time you get to prison, you have experienced a mess or two. We've read about the Jesus who touches the untouchables, who restores sight to those who cry out to him, who meets women with really messy pasts sometimes and saves them with a love that is so overwhelming it becomes a spring that wells up in them and gushes out. Well, I saw Jesus do every single one of these things, all of this, and much more. And here's what's weird. It is not just the early workers who get annoyed by God's incredible grace. I was the spiritual director that weekend, which meant that I had the privilege and the honor of listening to these women's stories. I was the person that if they wanted to come and confess to, they could come and talk to about their stories because the prison wasn't going to require me to tell them anything that maybe they didn't already know about. And so they would come to me and tell me these stories, and some of them were absolutely heartbreaking. These women had never in their lives, some of them, experienced anything remotely similar to love, and they couldn't imagine that they were loved by the creator of the universe. They figured they were way beyond God's reach. But when I held their hands and I looked into their eyes and I insisted that God loved them exactly the way they were in that moment, it shattered many of them. It broke them completely wide open. Tears poured out. That gave new meaning for me to that whole notion of a well, of spring, a spring welling up. 
in a person, I, I started to imagine that as just these profuse tears that were cleansing the hearts of these women as they realized that they could not escape God, that God relentlessly pursued them and had had God's eye on them all day long, their entire lives, as they realized that Jesus was inviting them to come into the vineyard with him, even now, this late in the day, and receive all that Jesus had to offer, regardless of what they may or may not have had to offer, even if all they had to offer was a big, fat mess, God's love is annoying. <laughs> it can feel devastating at times, no matter who you are. It disrupts our lives. It's unpredictable. It makes absolutely no sense oftentimes from our perspective. And there's nothing we can do about it. There's no way we can control it, no way we can contain it, and we certainly cannot escape it. God's love just is, and it will not stop pursuing us. God's love is annoying, and it's very messy. We all experience it a little bit differently and at different times of the day. Some of us, we're there at first light, ready to go to work. Some of us get there very late in the day. Others of us, we get out into the field and then we disappear in the middle of the day. Who knows what we're up to? Regardless, God keeps looking, searching for all of us all the time, no matter how annoyed we get. Some of us wait until the very last hour before we head into the vineyard and maybe we're even annoyed about it then. But we are claimed. We're claimed by the love that meets us no matter where we go, no matter what we do, no matter how unfit for it we feel. Life's a mess, and we get broken. We're a mess. Our spiritual journey is a mess. But apparently, God does messy Y'all, it's time that we head into the vineyard. It's time to give ourselves, our whole selves, our broken, messy selves to God. The fact is, we already are and will always belong to God, mess and all. The beautiful thing is this, in our surrender, God takes whatever we offer and creates something beautiful. Eugene Peterson, the author of the Message Bible, the interpretation that we've been reading throughout this series, he says that all the persons of faith I know are sinners, doubters, uneven performers. We are secure not because we are sure of ourselves, but because we trust that God is sure of us. Take a look at what's happening to our brokenness. It's going to be breathtaking. God takes who we are, 
our mess, our brokenness, and redeems us. Recreate something incredibly beautiful out of our mess. Thanks be to God. Amen.